It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. Hey, everybody. Good morning. Thank you for joining me on this edition of Down to Earth. It's Friday. September 25th. I know it's the 25th because it's the day before my daughter's birthday. So she's not going to let me forget that at no stretch of the imagination. Is she? Nah, children don't just let you get away with that. I have to remind you that they came from you. Have you ever seen that where they just look at you with a knowing look? (laughs) You know that knowing look? Right, that's what I call it. So uh, uh, today uh, we are going to uh, we're going to talk about something uh, that I think is of concern to us. So if you're just joining me, uh, this is Harriet Kamek with Down to Earth. It's the show in which we talk about the issues that matter, and one of those issues that we've been talking about for the last week is the cost of racism. What does it cost black black? Black people. What does it cost black people? What has racism cost? In doing the research on this, it was inevitable that I would come across issues in other parts of the world that impact black people. And at first I was a bit conflicted because I'm like, I don't know that I have a skin in the game. I'm more concerned about the effects on black Americans because this is who I am. This is where I live, right? And so I wanted to say, well, but I originate from the Caribbean. I have family members who still live in the Caribbean. But the subject I'm going to talk about today, the Windrush scandal, touches my life. And I didn't realize the extent to which it might have touched my life <laughs> until I read the story a couple of days ago about Windrush. My daughter brought it to my attention during the pandemic, and uh, but I didn't do the research on it. She, she mentioned it, and I was like, how cruel could that possibly be? But then I realized that, hey, this actually happened. So we're going to talk about something that happened in the United Kingdom in Great Britain the bastion of white supremacy. That's where it all started, started in Europe, and how white supremacy has contributed to people who have lived in the United Kingdom, some of whom since 1948, so they're elderly now, were about to be kicked out of their country, a country they have lived for more than 40 years, almost 50 years, some in excess of 50 years, and they were about to be kicked out of that country because of a wicked system of white supremacy. So we're going to talk about that. Uh, I'm going to give you some references for this. You can go to, you can look it up. You can Google the Windrush scandal and you'll find a plethora of, of, of information on the web. That's why I love the internet. The internet does not lie. It just shows everything for everybody to, to, to pay some attention to. So uh, so what is Windrush? Well, let me help you out a bit. This was inspired by a story I saw on LinkedIn earlier this week. 
And it says the Windrush scandal, along with the Black Lives Matter movement, have both altered the perceptions of the colonial English mother country. Barbados's recent, Barbados is an island in the Caribbean, yeah? Barbados's recent announcement that it will become a republic, ending the tenure of the Queen of England as the head of state by November 21 is noteworthy. 2021, that is, is noteworthy not only for what it says about the island, but also what it says about a former colony grappling with the centuries-long impact of structured, institutionalized racism. Barbados's recent announcement that it will become a republic, ending the tenure of the queen as head of state by November 2021, is, is what it says about the perceptions, the changes in perception of Britain and its monarchy. The Windrush scandal and the Black Lives Matter movement have altered perceptions of the colonial mother country, but it has also given us some insight into how we who are alive and remain today end up where we are. We are here because of decisions that were made hundreds of years ago by people who thought they were in power invariably by white people who thought that they were genetically, genetically, that means they were born and made, that they were better than black people. And so they engaged in a program of white supremacy, meaning that they were supreme. They reigned supreme over other people's lives. I kid you not. We're laughing about it now because it sounds almost ludicrous, but it is what it is. Colonial powers like America and other parts of the British Commonwealth, America is not a part of the British Commonwealth, America is a republic built on its own, maybe that's why I like the idea of America so much, it's being built on the fact that whites are superior to blacks, therefore white power is what should always be in charge of blacks and be in charge of black people and be in charge of culture and determine how we govern and determine how we do things. Don't get me started. I don't want to get riled up. It's too early. It's way too early for this stuff. But that is what white supremacy is. So white supremacy then is the ideology that uh, other European Britain and other European powers sat back and were collectively sipping uh, their liquor, and decided that their countries weren't making any money, so they needed to go explore. So they started looking for other lands. Oh, we hear rumors, we're hearing rumors about people in the East. They have more spices, they have stuff we could do. So somebody came up with the idea of going to Africa and taking black people, transporting them across the Atlantic in the greatest human trafficking event in human history. The Atlantic slave trade must go down in history, not just as a slave trade, but as the greatest human trafficking event of all time. They transported people across the Atlantic into the Americas. Barbados became one of their first points because if you look at the Atlantic Ocean, right, it's, it, it's, it's closer for people to be dropped off. So they kept dropping people off all the way until they got to here, till they got to America, all the countries in the Caribbean along the way all the way till they got to America. Then they went South America into Brazil and all the places down in South America into North America and created the greatest economy the world has ever seen, and that is the American economy. The cost of racism, therefore, is the stories, the lived experiences of people 
who have survived, the descendants, I am one of them, the descendants of people who have survived the travail that existed and the generational trauma that has been brought on through the violence that our ancestors experienced as a result of being subjugated, beaten, pillaged, raped, and robbed of income. Just yesterday on our podcast, we talked with author Sean Rochester, who has identified that the cost of racism in the United States is over $70 trillion because the first 250 years of the nation's existence between 18, between this 1619 and 1865, America did not pay for labor. The cost in 1870 of slaves, human beings in the South was $3 billion. That was the valuation placed based upon how much money was on the head of each black person on every plantation. So planters counted how many slaves they owned because that was their value. These are the facts. And these are lived experiences. So of course, white supremacy being what it is, made sure that slave stories were not told. Black people's stories were not recorded and told because there would eventually be a reckoning. Maybe it won't be achieved in my lifetime. Maybe it's the next generation who will start. But we're starting the conversation. The conversation began the minute it started. But it's going to continue until there is a reckoning and an end to the cost of racism. So you look at, so in, in Britain, let me give you some background. So what is Windrush? Therefore, because uh, white power believed, <coughs> excuse me, that black people were inferior, they took black people to work on their properties as free labor. Okay. So what then is the Windrush generation? Well, after World War II, Britain was nothing, was leveled and decimated. In fact, the United States carried Britain for a long time after World War II in giving them loans and giving them money, just literally propping their economy up. After World War II, Britain was done. In fact, Britain <coughs> sort of saw this coming. So from the early 1900s, it started to divest itself of its operations in what it called the Commonwealth. It was no longer feasible because once the Atlantic slave trade ended, Britain didn't have any way of supporting the economies of the other countries, of the, the countries that it owned and were territories, because it couldn't provide the resources. It couldn't pay for the resources of sending the governors to work there and sending the army out there. There was just not enough industry because, they, because now they have to pay people. Hello, it's always about the money. When they had, when labor was free, everybody was having a good time. There was enough wealth for everybody to live well, the planters on the plantations, as well as the people who were the financiers back in Britain, the people who were the financiers back in Spain, the people who were the financiers back in Portugal, the people who were the financiers back in France. France is having a problem with racism right now that you're seeing evidence by what they refer to as terrorist attacks. That's all part of the mix. Face it. It is what it is. It's just manifested in different countries in different ways. Here we have conversations around it, hoping that the conversations will convince people who are still holding on that it has changed. The environment has changed and it's time to act not, you, we don't need you to acknowledge a change. We just need you to do what you're supposed to do before we, we don't know what else to do. 
Do you see what I'm saying? So here comes Britain. It's trying to rid itself of its territories. But instead of ridding itself of its territories, it can't afford to. So it starts getting, because it can't keep them, so now it has to divest them. So after World War II, there was nothing left. The war, the war cost Britain a lot. People died. They didn't have any industry. So to ease their labor shortages, what did they do? They again turned to the Commonwealth, free labor, and invited them to come and work. But it's kind of free labor because they were never going to pay them the equal of what they would pay a white man or a white woman. So they sent out a ship called the Windrush, the HME Windrush, to go to nations in the Caribbean to pick up people along the way and bring them to Britain. When they got to Britain, they gave them a documentation that said they arrived there legally and they could live. So the Windrush generation were the folks who were not born in Britain, but who arrived in Britain from the Caribbean between 1948 and 1971 on the HME Windrush. Well, fast forward, 1971 comes, they created the Immigration Act of 1971. And what that did was it gave the people who had come there up until that point what is called landed status. The problem is they didn't give everybody documentation to prove it. Some people were still walking around with landed resident cards. And in 2010, the British government rescinded all of that. The Home Office just got rid of all all of that. The Home Office is is the same thing like uh, the Secretary of of State here. So the Home Office just got rid of it all. And that was that. But here's what happened. There was a new guy in town named David Cameron. And he had a side chick. His sidekick was Theresa May. They came up with this idea of making the, the UK a hostile environment for illegal immigrants. We can all relate to that. Nobody wants anybody. Everybody wants to know who is in the country, what their names are, where you come from. Everybody wants to know that. That's part of the process of being a nation. But what happened with the Windrush folks is that their documentation, had, most of 50,000 of them had never gotten their documentation. They had been there, some of them, from 1948, 1949, 1950. They're now elderly. And all of a sudden, this hostile environment policy created by Theresa May and David Cameron said something like this. If you go to the doctor, they have to ask your immigration status. If, they go, if you go to the hospital, if you go to rent somewhere, if you go, if you go to the station, go to like the police station, or if you interact with the city, they have to ask you for your citizenship status. Something that doesn't happen here in America. That's why we fight for America to remain America, <laughs> right? So when they created that hostile environment, and the people who had been there between 1948 and 1971 who didn't have their documentation, all of a sudden they were being called illegal. Now, they were invited into the UK between 1948 and 1971. Fast forward to 2000, and all of a sudden, these people who had worked all their lives were suddenly illegal because they had no documentation to prove it. Are you hearing me? That's white supremacy in operation. So what happened? These people, where were they going to go? They started deporting people. 83 people were, in fact, deported. Now, That's what is reported 
there could be others. They deported people. Yes, they did. They deported people whom they had invited there legally. See, the problem was Britain could not discern that the people whom they invited from the Commonwealth between 1948 and 1971 were different. So undocumented does not mean illegal. Undocumented means I got here legally, but I don't have the documentation to prove because maybe it has expired or you no longer recognize that piece of documentation as, as, requ- as required as legal. Governments change policies all the time to render a whole group of people insignificant and, and make you irrelevant and then say you are illegal. Governments do that all the time. Well, that's what happened to the Windrush folks. So they wanted to put people out of the country, created an uproar in the UK. The, United, the American media never focused on it. Because, well, they don't have any skin in the game, right? But Britain did have a problem with illegal immigration. What it did was it lumped the two together, and it was an outrage. Everybody took to media to describe it and tear it down. And Theresa May, as we know, became a good friend of Donald Trump. She admired him. Two peas in a pod. Well, she eventually resigned as the British, uh, as British prime minister. She's the poster child for creating that hostile immigration environment in the UK. But look how, look how devastating this is. This is what we reference as the cost of racism. Elderly people, people who went, who have been there forever. Now, I got to have some transparency here because I'm going to be honest with you. I can't lie to you, so I'm going to tell you the truth. I have family members, I just realized from reading the story that, wait a minute, I do have family members who went to the UK. My mother's uncles, I think it's three of them, went to the UK, two of them. One is still alive, one deceased. They went between that time period of 1948 to 1971. They have been there forever. Well, I imagine maybe they were, because uh, they did come back to visit, so they must have obtained documentation so they could come back and visit but they did return and visit because I actually met one of them when I was a kid <clears throat> and I kid you not when you look at this you, you 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 look at the cost the cost of it is the generational trauma of rendering a group of people telling them that they're not citizens in a country that they worked and built when Britain was on its knees after World War II when they had nothing, they had a severe labor shortage, they couldn't run their coal mines. You've got to understand that when these people went to Britain, they were not welcomed with open arms. In fact, people used to meet them and tell them to go back. But they were doing the jobs as usual that British people did not, white people in Britain did not want to do. They were cleaning toilets, sweeping the streets, working in sanitation, being bus drivers, cleaning the buses, yeah, cleaning out the dirty, nasty rush of humanity. But yet they were spat on and mistreated simply because of the color of their skin. Where are you coming from? Go back. I remember when I was growing up, my grandfather told me that the reason he never went was the stories that he had heard of what happened to people who got to Britain. He didn't think that he could stomach that or deal with that because he thought that it messed with his relatives who had gone as well as my grandmother's brothers who had gone there. It was just jacked up. 
it was just simply bad because you got to understand that people in the Commonwealth upheld the traditions of Britain, held the queen in high esteem. But when you arrived in Britain, they treated you like you were dogs. Britain was not even an advanced nation at the time. At the time, Britain, they were still going to, you ever heard of the term going to the garden, take someone down the garden path? The toilets were at the end of the garden, the end of the path in the garden. They had open bathhouses. In America, there were uh, bathrooms, indoor plumbing. They didn't have that in Britain in the, up until the 1950s. So what were you really fighting for? Nothing. Nothing. I've, I heard my relatives talk about this over time when I was growing up, and I didn't put it into context. But those lived experiences and their stories remain with me to this day. How do you categorize a group of people when you didn't even have an advanced society? They tell me that they had to come to America to see a washing machine. People were still washing clothes in Britain, taking your clothes to some public wash place. You were having a bath in some public space. And you had to, if you rented a place, you had to pay the landlord to use the bath. One woman told me a story of they had to pour Dettol, disinfectants, in the bath to use it because they didn't have stores. Huh. And you were thinking you're an advanced nation. Do you see what I'm saying? The cost of racism. So imagine then, if you will, that a group of people who having lived there for more than 40 years, all of a sudden you're going to tell them they're illegal, but you invited them there legally because they arrived on a boat. There are ports of entry. This is what people need to understand about immigration, that there is a difference between undocumented and illegal. You don't understand the difference. Undocumented means that you don't currently have the current piece of documentation. But illegal means you, you swam across the river or you, you came in on a boat, came in on a container. But if you arrived at, as, as they, at, at what is called a port of entry, then and you had a piece of documentation that they had to stamp, you are just simply undocumented, but you're not illegal. Because if you were illegal, they wouldn't let you in at the port of entry. Do I make myself clear? We need to be very clear on the differences. And because of white supremacy, Britain did not make itself clear. So what they did to this group of people, the Windrush folks, what they did was they said they were illegal when they really were not, when they were not. Elderly people who had worked and had contributed to Social Security could not. They, the people were one person required cancer treatments and was, in fact, being treated for cancer. And because of these questionnaires that doctors and healthcare workers were required to complete, they, she could no longer access it. They died from lack of treatment. That family should sue them on their asses. This is crazy stuff. White supremacy has got to end. Do you see what I'm saying? The very ideology that you are better than someone else because of the color of your skin was wrong, is wrong, and will always be wrong. The color of your skin has nothing to do with who you are as a person. People should be viewed from the context of their humanity, not from the context of what their skin color or their eye color or their hair looks like. That is ridiculous. We might have thought that four, five, six hundred years ago when we were uncultured and uncouth, 
and had not the benefit of exposure. But now, with what we know about modern medicine, how the human body is the same, whether or not you are black or white, we still have the same system of cells and capillaries that inhabit us, we should adjust our thinking. This is a group of people who, to this day, their descendants are owed money because of what? The transgenerational trauma of having to watch their elderly relatives being threatened with deportation, even though they had arrived in the UK legally more than 40, 50 years prior to. It was a scandal of epic proportion. The reason they didn't focus much on it, because at the same time when Theresa May was carrying on as British Prime Minister, they didn't talk so much about it. They talked about Brexit and made the conversation around Britain exiting the UK because they didn't want to focus on the fact that it was racism. Because at the same time, there was a president in America who was doing the same thing. How would the rest of the world feel? It would unite the rest of the world of color because then people would say, it just looks like white people everywhere just hate on people of color. I hope the people who have survived Windrush rise up and call themselves Windrush because black lives do matter. doesn't matter if you're in Barbados or Jamaica or Britain or America. Black lives matter everywhere. This is just the craziest thing you've ever heard. So here comes Barbados. When Theresa May uh, became prime minister, she actually apologized to a group of uh, Caribbean leaders and said she was making efforts to, uh, <laughs> I would give her that cookie. I don't even know if she gets a full cookie. She might get a crumb of a cookie because she's still as racist as they come. It was her policy of being host, creating a hostile immigration environment. So Caribbean leaders made representation to Britain that, look, you're treating our people like they're nothing. I think everybody should stop trading with Britain. That is the craziest thing. And you wonder why Meghan Markle left Britain. How are you going to live in a country you, you, that, that treats people like that? I'm not saying America is any better, but Jesus, for people to go to health care, and you're going to ask them simple questions as to their citizenship status. The law in America says if you show up at the emergency room, you should get treated first before any other questions were asked. There's a reason for that, and it's because of Jim Crow. We don't want America to ever look like that. This is why I insist that America should always be the shining light on a hill and be the hope and the beacon of light to the rest of the world. Because Britain, having exhausted, having pillaged other countries and their natural resources and be, was the repository of their natural wealth, all of a sudden is going to kick out everybody and say, we don't want you here. How come? So what you did with all the money that you made for centuries? And you have people in Britain, white people, telling people to go back. That's why Meghan Markle left. The Meghan effect. She left. She was like, I have my own country, dude. I'm gone. I'll put up with it in my country, but you're not going to come tell me to go back because I married your prince. Your prince married her. Do you see what I'm saying? This is the cost of racism. When you look in the faces of these folks, because I looked at some of their faces, 
the pain and suffering, the humiliation and the rejection that having come at a time when Britain needed them most and did all the work, the nasty, dirty work of putting their country back together, working in coal mines, breathing in that filthy, dirty air for nothing, eating dirty scraps of food and not getting paid enough for it, can't even own land because Britain has some real territorial laws when it comes to owning property and land. And then you're going to mistreat people? This is why the dismantling of white supremacy is important. Because as a continued ideology, what it does is it continually displaces people. It continually renders people unable. It continually make your, continually tries to strive that white lives matter more than black lives. And that is why the dismantling of white supremacy is so very important and crucial to our existence. It doesn't matter where we live. As long as we live on this planet, we cannot continue to think that just because of the color of my skin or the color of my eyes or the color of my hair means that I am a better person or I'm a better human being. And this is what we're talking I know it's Friday morning and it's a tough subject. I'm kind of glad I'm dealing with it because I have the weekend to recover. But we got we to gotta deal with this. Now. The intersection of this and my life, like I told you, was when I realized that my mother's uncles were caught up in this. You're kidding me. <laughs> I didn't realize it, right? And I have other relatives who, who live in Britain now, who were born in Britain. They're descendants of the Windrush folks. So I have a whole lot of cousins. In fact, one of my mother's aunts live in Britain. Full transparency. I have a cousin who I grew up with, who has a church in the UK. So just full transparency, just putting it all out there so you know that I'm not talking off the top of my head. It's lived experience. When I look at an island nation like Barbados, who was a bastion and a supporter and was a center of British colonial rule and colonial life, for Barbados to secede from Britain is a big deal. A little surprised that Jamaica and other nations in the Caribbean didn't preempt Barbados, but the time has come. How can the queen, the queen herself as the head of state, she watched all this stuff going on. And, you know, according to their constitution, they say she can't intercede in matters of government. So where's your compassion, lady? Where's your compassion? You're all busy giving Meghan Markle a hard time because of the color of her skin. So now we know which side of the coin you stand on. You stand on the side of white supremacy and white power. Because Meghan Markle is half. She's black and white. But you ignored that part of it and just paid attention to the color of her skin. Do you see where I'm coming from? The queen was radio silent. Why should Barbados or any other country, Guyana or any other country, any other part of the British Commonwealth, why should you even call yourselves the British Commonwealth? They don't deserve that. Do you still pay them a fine or pay them some sort of fee as consideration? Be done with that stuff. We got to get out of the era of colonialism because here's what happens. Colonialism caused slavery. Slavery has left us as a group of people divided. Slavery has left people thinking you're either house Negro or field Negro. Slavery has caused division. We quantify the cost of it. 
in America on our show yesterday. But going forward, what is the cost? Generate, we never talked about the trauma. We never talked about the inter- intergenerational trauma. We never talked about how do you feel with this lived experience that every day you're walking around in your skin and your ancestors were raped and beaten and pillaged. And people like to tell you, don't think about it. Forget about it. What happened 400 years ago and 200 years ago is is not significant. Then if it weren't significant, give me the money. Why is it it's significant to white people? Because that's when their money started be, being made. So they're living off their wealth today. So why is it that I should stop talking about it? Because it reminds you of how ugly your ancestors were and that you actually do owe me money. 40 acres and a mule, I had to work that out. If everybody who is black, the cost of that would be like $6.4 trillion divided by 13% of the population. If we don't put a value, ladies and gentlemen, on ourselves, every time they see you, they ought to see a dollar sign over your head. They're not going to respect it until another generation comes along who has ne- who only whose only experience and familiarity with white supremacy and systemic racism and structured institutionalized racism is only words they read in history. Until that happens, we should be it should be paid for. We have to get to the stage where these become words that we read in history that define a period in human history that nobody is proud of. White supremacy, white power, systemic racism, structured racism, institutionalized racism. Until those become just words associated with the period in human history, nobody should get away with not paying for it. We should have funds that provide for the trauma that people suffer. The people who went to Britain on the wind rush and who lived and who had to see their very existences being questioned. How do you question the legality of a human being? Every country has border laws, yes. Every country wants to know who comes into their borders and who is there and who is not. There has to be a system that numbers the number of people who are there so you can provide goods and services, but you also know where people are coming from and who they are. Every country needs to have that. But when you had extended the invitation for people to come and they came specifically under that caveat, and then after they have lived there, you didn't provide them with any means of documentation, that was your responsibility. And then all of a sudden you want to declare them as being illegal. That's white supremacy. The problem with Britney, sometimes it's not just Britain. The problem with politicians is that they become blinded sometimes. They come up with a policy that oftentimes originate from a thought or an idea that they have or someone around them has. And they begin, as politicians, they begin to find ways to enact it for it to become policy. What happens is that they're often blinded by their own feelings and biases. We all have unconscious biases. They become blinded by that. And so what happens is they don't think it through. You come up with a policy like calling people from certain groups illegal, but you didn't think through the ramifications that could reverberate as a result. As a result of them passing this 2012 new law, 
in Britain. It's now going to affect 3 million people from the European Union. See how they don't think things through? So Britain, in withdrawing from the European Union, is creating a whole other debacle. 3 million people from the European Union who normally could live in Britain, as long as Britain was part of the European Union, now suddenly are going to find themselves uprooted. The problem is people are not living on an island. They work, they make friends in the community, they become parts of community. They have whole lives built around where they live. Suddenly they're going to be uprooted and suddenly everything is up in the air. That's trauma. And that trauma spins out in different ways. People start drinking, they start doing drugs as a way of coping, they develop anxiety, and those experiences don't contribute to a whole plethora of human existence and human mental, mental, uh, mental strategies you need to overcome that. It creates homelessness. This policy in Britain, the Windrush policy, because landlords were now required to ask people about their landed status, it did what? It rendered people homeless. Even if people weren't able to take care of themselves and were probably on welfare, so they were in some sort of subsidized housing, then they were removed from those subsidized housing. They were now homeless. In fact, what the British government did in 2012 was they started paying people back for what, for what happened. I read some place where they were paying people $250 if they had to spend more than a day being homeless, 250 pounds rather. It's probably about 400 US dollars. Are you hearing me? It's crazy, but no one, politicians do not what? They don't think it through. That's why they end up having to have spin doctors because they don't think their policies through and the lifetime ramifications of such. You know what happened to the original slave owners? They didn't think through the lifetime and ramifications into perpetuity of subjugating a group of people because you thought that you were better. How you think you're better and you wake up every morning and you have to pee and you have to poo. And if you're female, you have something called a period. And if you're going to have children, you have to have sex. You have to take your clothes off. You get up every day and you put your pants on one leg at a time if you're a man. Women, too, if we wear pants, yeah? And you have to sit on the toilet to poo. And you have to drink water. And you have to eat. How do those necessities of human life suddenly make you different and make you a bigger being? You really think that the queen, the queen's family took control of a situation and have held on to power for more than a thousand years? You, re, you never thought that maybe she had to go to the bathroom, that there was a pro, she has four children. How do you think they got here? She had to have sex with somebody. And she had to open her legs and give birth. The same thing with the prime minister, the same thing with the president. Everybody is human. Why do people forget that? When you are enacting public policy, why do you not quantify the human cost? Why is the human cost not a part of it? You really look through the eyes of color to, to create public policy. And you really just look through the eyes of color and you don't think about what it costs human beings. 
ladies and gentlemen, we are in trouble. If we do not dismantle the public ideologies and the policies that emanate from ideologies like white supremacy, I'm afraid our world is going to have to contend with disruptions. We cannot continue at the pace because white supremacy is why the climate is in trouble. White supremacy saying, I want to create an existence that only I and people who look like me can live in. And we're going to pee on everybody else and dump our trash and dump our garbage on everybody else. White supremacy says, I'm going to give my group of people protections so that they can afford mortgages, so that they can afford to live, so that they can do better than someone else. That's white supremacy. Pee on everybody else. So what you start creating is a life that's defined by rich and poor, by black and white, and it's a tussle for everyone else in between. White supremacy says somebody shows up and you look at the color of their skin to appropriate onto them any kinds of protections or any kinds of uh, activities that would enrich or empower their lives. White supremacy says that because I'm white, I'm better. So therefore, I have access to better policies, better interest rates. I can send my kids. I can live in better neighborhoods. Even if I work in a factory, I am still better than the black man who is a professor, the black woman who is an economist, the black person, the Indian woman who is a doctor and even a neurosurgeon, just because of the color of my skin that deems me better. That's the dismantling. That's what we must dismantle. That thinking, that being white, what it does is it makes everybody else say, well, if that is the standard by which I'm judged, then the closer I get to being white is what I must pursue. So you create what I what is called, commonly referred to as divide and conquer. So you conquer people by dividing them. You can ask President Trump about that. He knows a whole lot about that, right? He's not, it's not original to him. It was something that was created by colonialism. So you start telling people that the closer you are to white, so people go out on a binge to lighten their skin, or they start looking at people who are lighter. This concept, we're human, y'all. Do we function as humans, or are you snakes, gators, alligators, crocodiles, beer, deer? What are we? It's, 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 it's what we must dismantle. I tell you. Wow, I, I had to reflect a bit on this because at the intersection of my life and it, because here I am in, in, in Detroit, Michigan, USA, seemingly have nothing to do with Great Britain, except that, wait a minute, I do have relatives over there. They are my mother's relatives, which means they must belong to this generation referenced by Windrush. And I know that as I come from the Caribbean, that there are other people in a similar situation. So we're all looking at it and saying collectively as a group of people of color, we're all being subject to this farce of white supremacy. And our collective consciousness is now coming to realize that, wait, it didn't just happen now. It's been happening for a while. We have now awakened to the idea that since it's been happening for a while, we've got to stop it so that the generational trauma. Now, I have to go reach out to my family members to offer what? Healing, to offer sympathy and empathy, to stretch my hand out to say, we're all one. We're all in the same fight. How are you dealing with it? How are you coping? What does family look like? How is the next generation 
coping when they see the things that all of us are subjected to. You may not agree with me, and you don't have to, because maybe this is not your story. Maybe there's no intersectionality in your life. Maybe you have what is called white privilege. Therefore, you can afford to sit and observe the rest of us going through this from the from the perspective of it will never happen to me. It may not this time, but you never know how history, you never know what can happen in the future. So all of us, therefore, must come together. We must find effective ways to ensure that as we march and as you protest, that there must, it must translate to legislative action. We have to legislate. I heard somebody say, out of total frustration, you can't legislate this. You got to put the laws in. But more importantly, you got to hold them accountable to the law. Makes no sense if they're not being held accountable to the law. Part of the problem is we don't, the laws don't favor us. We can't afford for modifications. If you want a law that says you can't shoot a black man in the streets, you can't modify that. It's a law. You can't shoot a black man in the streets, period. Don't create any conditions around it. Because creating conditions around it leaves the door open for instances like qualified immunity. So who shoots him? Under what circumstances? Well, if you're an office of the law, you might have reason to suspect him. So do not create the law. Then hold the law enforceable. And we have to do something about the generational trauma that is be accrued right now on people who are alive, the people who are being birthed right now, who are in our wombs being birthed, and the people who are alive now who have to live with the marches for Black Lives Matter, who have to live with the Breonna Taylor verdict, who have to live with Armored Aubrey jogging and being shot while jogging, the man in Central Park who was just enjoying looking at the birds and a white woman decided to weaponize her white privilege because of institutionalized, structured, systemic racism powered up by white supremacy. We got to pay these folks back. We got to pay everybody back. We have to pay for the mental health. We have to, it's irreplaceable. Once it's gone, it's gone. We have to pay people so they can go to therapy to redevelop, rewire our brains and rethink. That's what we need to do. We need to rewire the thinking on what makes a person superior and one inferior. We got to change that. Bob Marley said it best, and I'll leave you with this. He said, until the philosophy that holds one race superior and another inferior until you have completely disbanded that philosophy. There is always going to be strife and disagreement. So you see now what the problem is. The problem is white supremacy. Because until we eliminate that, there are going to be disagreements. Because if you come to me and tell me that you are superior to my humanity and my humanhood and my personhood. Naturally, I'm going to disagree. I don't see it that way. So you're going to create a body of laws to ensure and enforce your belief system into making me compliant with your wishes. That's what happened to Windrush. That's what's happening with Black Lives Matter. A body of laws created to perpetuate the ideology that one race of people is superior to another.
My name is Harriet Kamek. Thank you so much for joining me today. And so if you enjoy my podcast, please do acknowledge so by doing so on my pages on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, YouTube, and so on. Thank you so much, everybody. It's Friday. Make it a great day. Be blessed, everybody. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW group. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.